Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Shula Newman. The St. Louis Cardinals are halfway through their season, and so far they've left fans less than impressed. But they still have a chance to improve. With me to discuss how the season is going and more is longtime sports writer Rob Rains of stlsportspage.com. Rob, hi. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Good afternoon. Good. I want to also, before we get started, invite our listeners to get into this conversation. If you have a question, comment, or prediction uh, for the ongoing baseball season you'd like to share, give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can send us a tweet at STL on air. You can email us at uh, talk at stlpublicradio.org. So, Rob, I am going to say this up front. I, I love baseball. I love the Cardinals but I rarely pay attention to their standings until after the All-Star break. So for everybody (laughs) else like me. Good for you. Well, then, so so you're saying I don't need to be paying attention before the All-Star break? No, I usually don't look in for the first couple months of the season, to be honest with you, because it is such a long season. I mean, it's different than, you know, football and and even, you know, hockey in a sense when you're playing half the games, you know, that you played in hockey. I mean, just just look back at the Blues season. We're all still celebrating the Blues winning the Stanley Cup. They had the worst record in the National Hockey League in early January. So, you know, it, it things just, you know, I know those kind of things don't happen every year, but, you know, i am always been a, you know, glass half full kind of guy instead of glass half empty kind of guy. So I look at the fact that, you know, they're playing right about 500 baseball. We know they're not playing as well as they can play. We know some of the guys that have a long track record of success have not uh, performed to that level so far this season, but they still have half the season to turn it around. And luckily for them, for the Cardinals, one of the biggest things that's going on is the fact that the Cubs and the Brewers, the other two main rivals in the NL Central, are not playing very well either. So you know, we're still just three games. You know, Cardinals are still just three games out of first place with half the season to go. And I think you know, forget about the record. If I, if I had told you back in April that the Cardinals would be three games out as we have the, you know head into the last week before the All Star break, I think you would have taken that. <laughs> Maybe so. I I have to say though, you mentioned the Blues. You know, they went from worst to best, of course. And so, so what do you think that the Cardinals have a chance ahead, at least of of making Absolutely. it to October? Yeah. Well, as I said, because I think there's there's two things working here. I mean, they have to have their key performers. You know, the Matt Carpenters, Paul Goldsmith, Paul DeYoung's. Those guys have to play better. I mean, they they know that. I mean, Jack Flaherty has to pitch better. I mean, and they all know that. And if it, it comes down to a little, you know, simply matter of execution, if they do that. If they play better, play to up to the level that they're expected to play, and that they have played as the past, I think they'll be right there in the race. You know, the rest of the season. If they don't, then there's probably not a whole lot you can do about it because you're not going to replace those guys. I mean, those guys are your foundation of this team, and they're going to be the foundation of this team going forward. So you just have to to believe and, and expect that they're going to play better. Yeah. Well, well, let's get into. Well, we will get into some of these not so great moments when they haven't played so great. But uh, what have the highlights of the season been so far? Well, I think until he got hurt last week, Ozuna's performance had been really a positive. You know, coming off, you know, a year last year, which was kind of a transition year for him in the first year in St. Louis and stuff, I think, you know, nobody really knew what, whether he would bounce back and play like he did in Miami, you know, a couple of years ago or play like he did last year. I think he was a pleasant, pleasant, uh, you know, success story. He just didn't, especially with the fact that he didn't have an awful lot of guys playing well in front of him, still was able to get a, generate a lot of, you know, RBIs and a lot of run production. So, you know, I think he's been a plus. I mean, I think, you know, you look at it, it's kind of one of those weird years in that, that people have played well 
at different times. You know, DeYoung played really well in April and then started struggling a little bit. So nobody, I think one of the problems has been nobody has really been consistent from, from start to, you know, to well, call finish, but I mean, to this point in the season, you know, they've had hot stretches and they've had cold stretches. And unfortunately, they've been more cold than hot. They need to all get on the hot is what you're saying. So They need to get on the hot, yes. They need, <laughs> you know, well, the, you know, the thing is really that, they have guys like Bader and Wong and some of those guys that have struggled offensively. But if the other guys, you know, like we mentioned before, Goldschmidt, Carpenter, DeYoung, even put Molina in that class, if those guys were doing what Elzino, you know, when he gets back, if those guys are doing what they should be doing and what they're capable of doing offensively, you can live with, you know, Wong and, and Bader not doing as well offensively because of the way that they play such great defense. But when everybody is not hitting, then you put a focus on, on every position and you look at those two guys and you say they, they're not carrying their uh, end of the weight as well either. So you mentioned a couple of the Cardinals that uh, who are not performing well, Goldschmidt and Carpenter among them. Let's start with Goldschmidt. What's what's going on with him? I just think he's, you know, I, I always put this in this category, not just isolated on him, but any time that a player makes a transition from a, one team to another, and especially when they're going there under a new contract, I know he you know, had one year to go on his old contract, but he signed that new extension in spring training. That, uh, you know, that first year is, is just tough. I mean, whether you're trying too hard or trying to put too much pressure on yourself to succeed. I also think probably he, he wants to impress, you know, his new town, his new teammates, his new, you know, fans. And I think, you know, plus when other people are struggling, I think that just puts more pressure on him to succeed. And unfortunately, to this point, he hasn't been able to, to play well. I mean, he's had, a, you know, a few moments here and there, but just, again, not the consistency that I think he would like. But he's got such a long track record of, of success and, and performance that I just think at some point here it's going to click, whether it takes, you know, one game, two games a week or whatever to get hot to, to start that going. But I, I still, he's one of the guys that I think really can be better in the in the second half of the season once he kind of just just settles into his role and his new team and his surroundings and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then and then when it comes to Carpenter, he's been in the leadoff yeah. spot. Um, is right, yeah, he's hurt now too. He he, mm-hmm. he obviously wasn't wasn't playing well, and then now he's got a lower back strain, so they put him on the injury list yesterday. He'll be out till after the All Star break, and you know the the question is, you know, with him, of course, there's you know it's been a long history of the fact that he's. You know, struggled in a couple times. They tried to move him out of the leadoff spot, but that just sets the you know that that leadoff spot just sets the tone for the entire lineup, especially at the start of a ball game. And when you're whoever it is, if the leadoff hitter is not playing well, it has a domino effect on the other positions and the other parts of the batting order. So I'm going to be curious to see when he comes back after the All Star break if they immediately put him back into the leadoff spot or if they try to put him down in the order and bat him sixth or seventh for for a couple of weeks at least and see if that can get him going. Yeah. Um, I want to go to another highlight, at least for me personally, of the season so far. Um, that was Albert Pujols' return to Bush yeah. Stadium. Um, I was there on the day that he hit the home run. Um, but uh, what, what did, how would you describe the energy in the stadium the day, the first day he came back? It was electric. I mean, it was. It, I mean, everybody had built it up to be such a uh, such a dramatic moment and and to be such a you know big story. And it, you know, sometimes those things don't live up to that that hype and to that degree of, of expectations. But it really did because he was one of those guys that I think really really expect you expected a lot from, and and he didn't disappoint. You know, it was a it was a magical moment. I think enough time had passed since he left. You know, the organization that all the you know I don't want to call them bridges that were burned, but just the you know bad feelings that existed at the time he left 
we were able to forget about those and remember everything he accomplished in St. Louis and how much he meant to the city. Yeah, I think it also really spoke well for the fans, the way that everybody was so excited. I mean, you know, even when he got that home run, you know. Oh, just, yeah. Yeah, so that forgiveness was definitely there. I went to... Well, and, then I, and, then the, and then the Sunday night game, he comes up with the bases loaded and the, and the Angels already leading two to nothing. And everybody thought, oh, you know, wait, waiting for him to hit a grand slam. You know, he like, what right. happened here? You know, where, where are the Cardinal fans that want their team to you know, hold them to two runs so they have a chance to win the game in the bottom of the nine. So it was, it was kind of crazy. It was kind of a weird juxtaposition of, uh, of stuff going on that night. Yeah, that's true. Mixed emotions, I think, is the right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I uh, want to remind listeners that you can join this conversation if you have a question, comment, or prediction for the ongoing baseball season. We'd like you to share it with us. Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also email us at stlpublicradio.org. Um, let's talk about Mike Schlitt is his time as a manager. Um, it's been mm-hmm. since last August. Um, and in light of this season's trajectory so far, uh, how do you think the Cardinals playing has changed under his leadership? I, I don't think there's been any dramatic thing. I think it's just one of those cases that the, that the, uh, that, that the situation is, you know, the, the player's not performing well. I don't think it really has anything to do with the, the manager situation because I think he's, he's a very steady guy. He's a very calm guy. I've known him for a long time. Um, as far as you know, when he was managing the minor leagues and, and stuff, and I think he was the right guy for the job, and and I still think he's going to you know long term see a long term success there. I think he's just got to have you know the the players that he puts into position go out there and perform. They just got to go out there and perform. He's a very calm guy. He's a very positive guy, and I, and I think he's uh, you know long term. I think he's going to succeed in the job very well. So getting players into the right position, though, does that mean that the Cardinals might need to make a trade? And if so, what? Well, they... I mean, there's there's some thought, some possibility about that. I mean, I think you know I had this conversation with uh, with somebody the other day at the ballpark. It was a scout uh, from uh, you know watches the, all the clubs, and so we were talking about the Cardinals and kind of the situation and, and what's going on so far with this this club. And he said basically what it comes down to is we've got a team full of really nice guys, and and these guys are all really good people. And I think you know, but but I don't know if that's the best solution for a team to win. You know, they, they don't have anybody that really has a fiery edge to them. Somebody's going to go over there and spill up the uh, post-game spread and yell and scream and, you know, encourage people to play better in a very dramatic, you know, uh, forceful way. They just don't seem to have anybody like that. So I don't know if they need something to kind of shake them up a little bit like that and kind of take them out of their malaise. They kind of had, you know, a moment like that a few years ago, leading up to the trade deadline, and they kind of pulled the block uh, big trade that nobody saw coming when they traded Alan Craig and Joe Kelly to Boston for, for John Lackey. And maybe they need some kind of a moment like that because I just, I, I don't know. I, I like the guys on this team a lot. I like the talent on this team a lot, but it does seem like there's just some kind of a spark or some kind of an edge that seems to be missing a little bit. It's really interesting that you would say like the personalities of the players, that they're all just really nice guys and somehow that would end up hurting them. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, it's it's hard to say. And I, I'm not in the clubhouse, not in the dugout. You know, during games, I just know what I talk to guys and what I you know see and observe. And I think they are a very good group of people. And I, that doesn't have any negative effect on being being meaning that they're bad baseball players. It just means, and I think they are very competitive and, and very hard nosed and very much of a group that want to win. And I think it's a very cohesive group, a very tight knit group as a team. But I just think, you know. I don't know what it's going to take. Maybe it'll start tonight. You know, maybe something will just happen, and they'll get on a roll and win. You know, the rest of the games before the All Star break, and then come out hot after the All Star break, and we can forget we had this conversation. You know, but <laughs> it's it's uh, 
you know, and that's what I mean by baseball being such a long season that you just don't know when things are going to click and when things are going to turn around. And kind of your whole, your whole, uh, I guess, goal at this point is just to stay within shouting distance until something positive happens. Yeah. So, so yesterday, Rob, the the card signed several international amateurs, some mm-hmm. of whom they began scouting as soon as they were as young as uh, thirteen. Yeah. Um, is this a good system? I don't think so, and I don't think the Cardinals think it is either. It's just the way the nature, for whatever reason, baseball has allowed this this system to become, you know, they're allowed them to teams to get away with it, and, and the competition, and the both in terms of wanting to scout players and the number of teams involved and the money involved, they just have forced players teams to get younger and younger when they start observing guys, and now that you know there are people signing. You know, the Cardinals announced all these signings yesterday, but they've already got verbal agreements, and not just them, other teams too, verbal agreements with players that won't be announced as signing contracts until next July 2nd, and even maybe in some cases July 2nd of 2021. So those guys are, you know, 14 or maybe even, you know, at least no no older than 15 that have agreed to contracts, you know, in some cases, you know, million-dollar contracts. And I just think that's that's a bad system, and I think it will be addressed in the next collective bargaining agreement, which comes due at the end of the 2021 season. Yeah, I think just... they're going to go. They're going to go to an international draft, very similar to what happens in the amateur draft. So, so you can't, you know, keep teams from having to make those decisions on players at at such a young age. Right. This seems like so much could happen between fourteen and eighteen. <laughs> okay, I'm from a 16. You know, it's, yeah. I think 16 is too young. Mm. But that's that. That's not going to change because that's just the, the way it, it happens now with Latin players. And you know, they, you know, there are some positives to that because now these kids that they signed yesterday, for example, I think there were 11 of them that were 16 years old. They'll get into the the. They have a Cardinals have an academy in the Dominican Republic, which addresses things not just you know baseball instruction, but life lessons and instructions and English instructions and things like that. So there's a lot of a lot of classroom teaching, a lot of, you know, learning going on that for a lot of these kids that, you know, formal education, you know, especially in some of the more impoverished areas in Latin America, you know, that they really don't have much of a, a formal school training education. So it's a really good good environment for them to get in there and, and do that. And so they have a year or so where they're practicing and playing baseball but not really kind of playing competitive games or just more in that kind of classroom setting. So so I think that the sixteen year old age limit is, is a good thing as far as the Latin players are concerned. If they were to go to the draft, though, then you wouldn't have to worry about it. You could kind of evaluate guys when they're that age, but you wouldn't have to make a decision and actually offer them, you know, that size of contracts until they, until, because you wouldn't know for that point in the draft system until, until you actually drafted the guy that you were going to get him, you know. Right, right. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the All-Star Game, um, which is mm-hmm. happening next Tuesday. And uh, the Cardinals only have one guy going this year, shortstop Paul DeYoung. Right. Uh, he's heading uh, to the 90th Midsummer Classic in Cleveland this year, as they call it. What sets him apart from his teammates? Well, I think he's a very consistent player. I mean, I think it's one of those things that every team has to have a representative. So when you look at, you know, the fact that Ozuna got hurt, I think Ozuna probably would have been the Cardinals guy. Maybe Young would have gone too. I don't know. They might have had two guys, but Ozuna was probably headed to the, the game until he got hurt. So if you look at other guys who have, you know, kind of been their leading performer so far this year, you know, Young kind of stands out. And I think also the fact that, you know, you have to weigh it against who's the players that are available from other organizations. So you had to have, you know, the right, you couldn't have, you know, six shortstops or, you know, six second basemen or something. So you had to have a representative number of players at each position. And then you just have to put all those things into the, uh, into the mix and into the equation to figure out, you know, who should be the guy. And he was, you know, obviously the best choice. I think Jordan Hicks would have had a chance to make the team as well. Until he got hurt and had to, you know, miss well now miss the rest of the season and probably almost all of next year. So, with the Tommy John surgery, so they, he was a kind of a, a benefit of a couple of guys who might have been selected ahead of him 
go, getting hurt and going down. But he's, he's still a deserving player, and I think he'll go and acquit himself well at the game. And, you know, just to, to clarify for people, I guess this is a little backtracking, but, you know, you're talking about all these uh, balancing of of who can be on and who can't not be right. on. Can you talk about the process of how the all-star players are selected? I know yeah, I go and I punch fan, the holes. Yeah, it's a fan vote for the starters. And then they, the players also have a vote. And then and then I think there's if, if a player if a player's vote is for a player and a, like, like the top vote-getter of a first baseman, if the player's vote is different than the fans' vote, then that player is elected to the team as well. And then whatever whatever organizations are not you know, represented by either the, the fan vote or the player's vote, then that's where they have to step in. The, the commissioner's office steps in and picks a player from those teams to be on the team. And, and this year it was the Cardinals and the Marlins were the two teams that in the National League that didn't have a player selected in either one of those votes. So they picked picked DeYoung and picked Sandy Alcantara, who was one of, a pitcher with the Marlins, actually one of the guys the Cardinals traded to get Ozuna last year. So. Okay. Um, and uh, just I have to say I am a little upset that uh, Harrison Bader is not considered a valuable enough player uh, for the All Star Game. He needs to hit better. He needs to hit better. <laughs> does this is true. Um, so uh, you know, one last question I have uh, going back to the regular season: How have the starters looked compared to the younger, more hungry players on the team, um, like Munoz and Tommy Edmond? Um, there's been criticism yeah. that the starters have been underachieving. There have been. I mean, I think you you could pretty much look around the whole lineup and say that all these guys have underachieved, except maybe for Ozuna. And maybe, you know, in, in the balance of his season, DeYoung is probably, his numbers are probably about where you thought they should be at this point. They just kind of gotten there in kind of a weird fashion because he was so good for first month of the season and then not so good since then. But, you know, and Dexter Fowler has been better, but not as good, I think, as some people would have hoped he would have been, but certainly better than he was a year ago. So, you know, the rest of them, I think you would probably say they have underachieved. And I think for the most part, the starting pitching is probably a little bit underachieved as well. Michaelis has not been as good as he was a year ago. That probably was a little unrealistic to expect him to be that good because it was a you know really special season that he had a year ago. Flaherty, I think, has struggled you know with his command and and pitch execution. So mm-hmm. we saw it again last night. You know, just make a couple of mistakes and, and can't get out of a, a jam. Okay. You know, and then you know I think Wayno and, and Walker have been okay. Hudson's probably been their most consistent right. starter right. You know, since the. Wait, Rob, I have to. Night. I hate to do this. I have to interrupt you. Uh, because we've we've run out of time. I have a tendency to do this, but I want to thank you, Rob Rains, for joining us today. It was really great talking with you. My pleasure. Anytime. Great. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. KWMU.